Ladies and gentlemen. You want experience during your football season? Well, buckle up, sweet cheeks. That's all we need. We've got all the experience in the world. This is I Want Your Flex with Dan Beyer and Mike Harmon. Mike and Dan break down everything you need to set your lineups. From position rankings to starts and sits, the guys help you make those hard decisions. And now, let's get your flex on. Here's Dan Beyer and Mike Harmon. 14 down, one to go. Welcome in. It is I Want Your Flex. Get Mike on Twitter at Swollen Dome. I'm at Dan Bayer on Fox. You can always tweet us at I Want Your Flex. Still waiting on the Ravens and Cowboys to wrap up week 13. But otherwise, everything is in the books, Mike, including the Monday night doubleheader that we had, seeing the Steelers being knocked off from the ranks of the unbeaten, falling to Washington, and then the Bills going to Arizona to beat San Francisco 34-24. Uh, some excitement in that double dip on Monday. Well, exciting when you say, hey, they went to play the 49ers in Arizona, uh, so that's fun. Uh, Josh Allen, more than just a running back. Who would know? Uh, and then the early game, look, I, I flex because I, I called the upset on Friday when we do our upsets against the spread and just said, they're winning this one outright. I didn't think it would go this way uh, based on the statistics that you run through. Yes, one of the ninjas that I had for the game hit, but otherwise not the games I envisioned here, Dan, at all. Expected more running from the 49ers in the nightcap. Raheem Mostert never got out of the blocks. Of course, the fact that the 49ers defense just kept giving up long, protracted drives all day. Not much help there, but Josh Allen getting it done. And in the early game, Alex Smith bloodied, beaten, and found a way. That's where I want to start because I think that fantasy owners are like, "Uh uh-oh. And especially when Antonio Gibson went down with his toe injury. Yeah. Daryl Johnston said on the Fox broadcast Immediately, by the way, it was it was probably five minutes of real time when Gibson went out to when they said he's doubtful to return. And then Moose Johnston is like, that's one of the most painful injuries you're going to have. It's going to linger for a while. And so anybody in fantasy that has Antonio Gibson definitely worried about what happened in Pittsburgh. Win for Washington, but Antonio Gibson owners can't be happy with the injury that he suffered on Monday. Yeah, you start thinking about the stretch run here, some opportunities as we get towards the fantasy playoffs. Maybe you have one more week in your fantasy regular season, a road date at Arizona. Arizona to face the San Francisco 49ers (laughs) this next week. But all of a sudden it becomes the split between Peyton Barber. He had 14 carries and a score, only 23 rushing yards. You know my thing, Dan, since most of these guys are about six feet tall, he didn't even fall forward with regularity, averaging just 1.6 per carry, but got the precious touchdown. And J.D. McKissick, he doesn't do much in the on the ground, but always active in the passing game. But the loss of Gibson, immense for what the balance of this offense normally has been. I, I also thought that Washington would win this game, and I have a winning ticket to prove it. I'm not going to show done. it on the screen, but we'll just put a winning ticket that way. I, I, just, I think it was a really tough spot for them for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, just of what happened with this week. I mean, they played on a Wednesday and are now back on a Monday. And some may say, well, what's the difference of playing on a Sunday and then you go play on a Thursday? I I think that there was carryover from the long wait. So, yeah, it was a bye, but it wasn't a really bye. You were still locked in. You probably didn't have that mental uh, break that you needed because – 
you thought that you were going to have games on a, on a Thursday and then on a Sunday and then on a Monday and then on a Wednesday. So there was never a point where if you were on a bye week where guys could just leave football for a little while. Right. That was never the case with the Steelers. And then, Mike, even though Baltimore didn't play with Lamar Jackson, it's still a Raven-Steelers game. The way that Washington plays – it just it, to me, it just seemed like a really, really tough spot for Pittsburgh, who's without their starting center and going up against that Washington defensive line, and still without James Conner. And and I, you know, I, at the beginning of the year, I wasn't high on Conner, but he really proved his worth, and I think it shows that even when there's nothing there, James Conner could still get you a few yards or maybe break some things. And Pittsburgh doesn't have that right now, and there's some inconsistencies with the receivers. But I felt like you could see this output coming, this outcome coming from a while uh, a mile away. Yeah, you mentioned the the way the schedule of the Thanksgiving Day game occurred. I mean, you'd spent all the week working, and you have the mental and emotional look. And everybody's got their thing in 2020, right? I don't discount anything anybody's going through. But when you're told, hey, after the Thursday game, win, lose, or draw, you're getting a week off, which is what the Steelers had been told, mm-hmm. that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Given the fact that they had their bye in week four, you're grinding through. As you talk about, Baltimore's throwing the kitchen sink at you because it is just one of those games. You know it's going to be a slugfest. You mentioned the pouncey issue, the inability to run the football. There's no play action, right? The passing game has been an extension of the run. So I don't take any of those stats at face value, right? People saying, ah, Pittsburgh can't run the ball. It's 99 yards. Well, hold on. Add some of the three-yard outs to Claypool or or pick one. And, you know, the yak is key. They dropped seven balls against Washington. They're up to 31 on the year. They dropped a quarter of them in this game. So – how many times did you – I mean, I, we had Eric Ebron in a league that Jason Smith, my partner during the week, and I co, co-own, and we just kept texting each other, another one, another one. It was like we were doing the DJ Khaled drop <laughs> on text uh, with the number of drops that he had. So you're, you're not getting the consistency. And, yes, Roethlisberger's arm is, I think, a bit of a concern, but you can't even pretend to do play action because you've got no threat at the running back position right now. So you kind of – succeed and proceed the old john calipari line they don't have to be pretty but when you stack a bunch of teams like this in a row eventually you're going to get got i'm going to bring up just another quick factor that i do think played into it and it may not be the whole thing with the drops mike but i do think i do think weather is starting to play a little part of it the game seemed cold. There's no juice in the stadium. That I mean, like, so you're, so you're cold. And and it's not an excuse. But when I see what the Steelers did, and and forgive me when I say this, but when, I, when you see what they did against the Jaguars, and I know who the Jaguars are, so I'm not trying to make Jacksonville be a team that they, they really aren't. But when you saw how easy of an effort it was, I mean, you know, Deontay Johnson had 12 catches that game. Then you go to a cold game against the Ravens at night and another cold game now that's uh, at at night on the East Coast. I actually felt that that may have started to play a bit of a role. Now you get that cold weather. 
I don't know. It just it, 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 maybe an excuse, maybe a lame excuse, but I thought it played maybe a little bit with the receivers. It's no excuse for them, but just a, maybe a reason why you're seeing so many drops. I wondered if the cold weather was 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 a factor in any of this. A little bit sloppy, and and yeah, I I, I would actually really. It's the psychology of football and sports in general, right? That whole field of not having fans in the crowd, you know, in the stands and what mm-hmm. that does for you emotionally and, and chemicals in your brain that maybe you block that stuff out because you're performing versus, yeah. all right, you're playing and now you're standing around. and yeah. I would think going out in pregame warm-ups with just a tank top, you know, when it's 20 degrees, it's one thing when there's thousands of fans filing in and the music's playing, but if it's just you and the other team, I would be like, Man, it's pretty cold out here. Yeah, I, I got to imagine there's something to that. We'll we'll have to ask all our former player friends. Not that they ever got to do it without fans, except for some practices sure. and walkthroughs or whatever. And, but psychologically, there there's a whole thing for this 2020 season. I think almost every team could hire one of the local beat writers to put a book together. Now, the Bills and Niners didn't have to worry about it in Arizona, uh, playing with the Bills winning 34-24. to Just a couple of quick notes. You mentioned Josh Allen's great game. Seems like Devin Singletary really ahead of Zach Moss, and Moss had some fumbling issues. But the Niners are really just kind of at the mercy of, of Nick Mullins. And if, you know, Raheem Mostert, I thought maybe – was going to be a bigger factor after uh, returning and seeing what they did last week against the Rams. Thought that the Niners' defense was going to be more of a factor, seeing how they turned the Rams over. But it 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 wasn't the case on Monday night. And when you really see the pieces that are around, it's just it's tough for me to trust someone like Debo Samuel, who I think is going to get plenty of opportunities and maybe worthy of a play, but it's just, again, it's at the mercy of Nick Mullins. The running game is, the passing game is, and that's, if you're going to play a 49er, you just have to you have to realize that going forward. Yeah, the big play potential, right, of what Brandon Ayuk, 5 for 95 and a score, uh, he also had a huge drop that turned into a turnover. Yeah. Right? That's not on, that wasn't on Nick Mullins. That was completely on Ayuk. Uh, and then Debo finishes 6 for 73, You had Kendrick Bourne trying to get to the end zone, couldn't get in, right, stopped. They had a couple of goal line stand issues where they couldn't finish off drives. They moved the ball well. Obviously, Buffalo did as well. Buffalo cashed in. 49ers couldn't, leaving it at the doorstep several times over the course of the night. Entertaining game, though. And watching Josh Allen, it's good to see – the continued evolution. I'll tell you what, they've got a murderer's row to finish off their season when you start doing some schedule watching mm-hmm. into the fantasy playoffs. So, you know, celebrate the 375 and four on the Monday night because the next couple of weeks when you have the next matchup up is just looking at Pittsburgh, right? <laughs> Before you get yep. to everything else, uh, it it is certainly potentially messy for them. 49ers, this was the chance to get back to, to 500. You're like, you know, off in the distance, there's the shadow of George Kittle that was kind of hanging out, right? A lot of rumors that if they got back to 500, maybe he's pushed back into the lineup and gets himself ready a week earlier. I don't know that that happens after this loss. Like, I like Debo Samuel as a player, mm-hmm. and it, it's 
and, and I guess this is true for, for any team when you are at the mercy of, of the quarterback. It's just that I think if there was a different quarterback there, and depending on how the game plays out, you can be just more certain on playing Debo Samuel. And I think that there were some Ricky Mostert owners on Monday night that left really disappointed. They never really got an opportunity to get the run game going with how the game just kind of started to turn out. So Mostert only gets you know, nine carries on the night, but both he and Jeff Wilson Jr., you know, are carrying the ball. Just looking at the numbers here, yeah, Jeff Wilson, 6.7 yards per carry, Mostert at 4.7, but they didn't have an opportunity just because of how the game ended up playing out. So a bit frustrating if you are a person who played some 49ers on Monday night. Yeah, this looked like an opportunity, as we talked about uh, on Friday's episode. Uh, I was looking at the, the Arizona 49ers against the Bills' defense. Bills giving up about 26 points mm-hmm. per game. And, look, 49ers come in just under that. But it wasn't the steady, solid path towards yeah. those 24 points, right? A little bit uh, of everybody. And then once you get use check with a receiving touchdown, you just start throwing things at your computer. <laughs> Let's move on. Our three-point conversion recap. Mine a little bit connected to Monday night. I said beware of your Steelers, and I think that was somewhat correct. Now, Ben Roethlisberger gave you 305 yards and a couple of scores, but if you played any of their running backs, you rude the day that you did because you got nothing from Benny Snell or Anthony McFarland. As for the receiving scenarios, Deontay Johnson was ended up being the star. Eric Ebron in a PPR league got you seven catches for 68 yards. The other touchdown went to James Washington, and nobody's playing James Washington. No. Two catches, 80 yards, had the 50-yarder uh, for the score, and so that's so that was it. So if you played Chase Claypool, two for 38. Played Juju, seven for 28. My goodness, seven, seven for catches for 28 freaking yards. So I was somewhat right on the uh, beware yeah. of your Steelers. Eagles slayed by the pack. The big names – uh, were there Rodgers, Aaron Jones, uh, Devontae Adams? I did. I will I will call myself on it on the last podcast. Said, heck, maybe even play Jamal Williams. That didn't work out, but you got a score from Tanya. Alan Lazard didn't have the huge game, uh, so I'll take a 50-50 on that one. Same thing with the hold your horses on the Texans. Deshaun Watson, great day yardage-wise. Ends up getting into the end zone, uh, rushing the ball, but no touchdown passes. So his points were... It was a decent day, so I'll give you Deshaun Watson, but David Johnson to get into the end zone. He scored uh, your receivers, probably not on the uh, Kiki QT uh, lineup situation. You probably didn't start him, but he was the one with the big day. But I'll take the Steelers, and I'll just take halves on the other two. There you go. Take the victory. We've already chronicled the Arizona 49ers. Uh, I'll take the L because other than a little bit of the ninja with Ayuk getting activated, you didn't know what he was going to be, though. It would have taken a lot to probably put him in your lineup. Uh, desperation mode for some. Uh, I'll take the David Montgomery win as he finished as the number Huge one game. running yeah. back uh, on the week. 72 yards, two scores on the ground, forty or four catches, 39 yards, total of 27 fantasy points. So you got that. And then the heroes versus the quality of the games, right? We talked a lot about the slate and a lot of our would-be fantasy stars found themselves in difficult matchups. I think I get a victory based on some of the efforts, both at the quarterback position 
uh, and certainly at the running back position because some of the games did not go according to script, Dan Beyer, to where uh, guys were eliminated based on game flow. Uh, I'm looking at you, Derrick Henry, uh, and <laughs> some of the other would-be luminaries. So, yeah, Week 13 was one that set up a lot of strange circumstance. And if you navigated through it and got your fantasy victories to secure your playoff positions, God bless you. You're living right in 2020. Are you also uh, looking at uh, maybe Austin Eckler or any of the Chargers for talk about game flow? Because uh, that, uh, that flow was backwash How about that? for the Chargers. Wow. That game, I had, I had two screens going on on my computer, computer and television working together, right? So I have – the, the feed for the Rams, interested in watching them and, and Kyler Murray and what's going on there. And then watching New England and the Chargers, I'm like, all right, I'm going back to just the general afternoon, you know, yeah. NFL game pass kind of thing. I'm done with this. I can't, I can't watch any more of the bludgeoning of what the Chargers have become. Justin Herbert was on my list of cold sores because of what Bill Belichick does to young quarterbacks. I didn't even think – there's no way you could have expected it to be that level of domination, particularly given the struggles of the New England passing game all year. Hopefully you didn't turn over to the trash that was Seattle's offense against the Giants. Hopefully no, that hurt my a, head too. A different, uh, a different channel. I got to uh, check myself and review on the give me one reason. You'll take a look back at your rankings and hot plays and cold sores as well. I, uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to pat myself on the back like Barry Horowitz, but I think I hit a home run with Baker Mayfield. Told you he was the guy to start. I gave you the reason that the Titans were to focus on Chubb and Hunt. I probably should have just said that the Titans' defense in their secondary is atrocious. Wow. That could have been an opportunity, but Baker, 334 yards, the four touchdowns, uh, was a if you started Baker Mayfield and listened to me, congratulations on that one. I tried to give you a reason to bench Taysom Hill, and that was that the Falcons were going to see him for a second time. Uh, the twos were wild because he threw for 232 yards and threw for two touchdowns. The first of his two career, uh, the first two of his career that is 83 yards rushing for Taysom Hill. So that's a decent day from the Saints quarterback. So you probably would have liked to have him in your lineup, but I'll take the win on the Baker and the start i tell you what man baker number three quarterback on the week and it was pitch and catch yeah right, it wasn't even hard throws you got so many breakdowns in that tennessee secondary it was amazing to watch i mean this was the team that comes in with the reputation of slugging it out and obviously we've had some games where that hasn't quite worked but cleveland even short on wide receivers right they had mm-hmm. three active receivers plus austin hooper on the game and just finding uh, – look, the, the people's Jones touchdown might have been the worst coverage this side of the Jets that we've seen in recent memory. It was, it was, it was not, uh, not good at all. I celebrated you. I only ranked him 20th on the week, which was pretty much in line with the industry consensus for the week. Just thinking that the run game would exist. Didn't need to. Just keep throwing no. it up. They had some great celebrations too. Thirty-eight to seven at the half. Unbelievable. Amazing. Game. All right, what did you hit on in the rankings and hot plays? And you can even give your epic fail. 
epic fails, if you would like. Oh, I got plenty of those, baby. <laughs> plenty of those. What a weird week. Uh, I already talked about David Montgomery. I'll take the victory lap out of that. Uh, between our discussion on the podcast plus I'm going to include the Sunday morning with LeVar Arrington because normally throw out a fantasy name to tease and get back to the podcast as well. T.Y. Hilton, back-to-back games with a touchdown, eight for 110 and a score, and you got that early. So you were able to just check the box and move on. It's like, yeah, hey, when you're getting a text from LeVar with a bunch of blank and you called it, I'm like, all right, take it the victory. <laughs> uh, the Justin Herbert struggles. Again, could not have anticipated such an atrocious day. And at some point, I was just screaming, would you take him out of the game already? I don't need a Joe Burrow situation. Sorry, Joe Burrow. But I don't need that happening when you're down 30 to nothing. Yeah, I was surprised. I I could not believe that he was still in the game. I'm sure fantasy owners were like, good, because I need something more from them, or at least something from them. But that didn't even show up. Yeah, even in the disaster, we get a big game from Ryan Tannehill. I ranked him in the top five for the week. There he is at 389. Three touchdowns, one interception, plus the two-point conversion that he ran in. So we'll take the victory there. Uh, On the downside, said that you might have some struggles for DeAndre Hopkins. He finished 17th for the week. Yeah, he got his touchdown, uh, but as a mid- WR2 for a guy who's normally in the top three. I'm going to spike for the victory there. And then Alvin Kamara, again, another guy who found the end zone, but he's outside the RB1 status. So we'll take the lap there. Uh, I will say emphatically I am wrong, and I will bow to you on both Baker Mayfield and then the Taysom Hill thing. Who would have thought he'd actually throw touchdown passes? Right, <laughs> right. I, I, I don't know. I, he looked all right. I'll I'll give him I'll give him that for sure. Like he deserves credit. He looked uh, it, the way that he threw the ball was more impressive in the two weeks. I don't think you could get much from what they did in Denver. They were, I mean, when the no. other team doesn't have a quarterback, you're not going to do anything. But he did look more of the passer quarterback than he had in previous appearances for sure we do know this though dan against teams in the nfc south don't bet against sean payton yeah don't. right he dominated both the games against tampa and now you saw what he did to atlanta uh here uh look i'm looking at jonathan taylor and we'll talk about him more in a minute he catches the ball out of the backfield for a touchdown that might have been the the most in- jaw-dropping play of the week for me like wait he can do that now (laughs) 13 for 91 yards 44 receptions or 44 yards on three receptions and the touchdown just amazing a huge miss on miles sanders 10 carries 31 yards he can beat it that's not your fault that's doug peterson's fault well 72 percent Say Doug Peterson in. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that audio Listen, two weeks I, ago. The the poll that they were bringing him on for his weekly hit, and they had done a poll, and they say, yeah. "Hey, seventy two percent of people put this loss on the coach." We welcome in Doug Peterson. Yeah, to yeah. The show. yeah. He he didn't like that too much, but this is. I'm sorry. We've been talking about this for weeks. They have got one guy on that offense at the skill position that can make a difference. 
and it's Miles Sanders. Yeah. And you want to sit there, and you want to run in Boston, Scott, and you sign Jordan Howard during the week, you bring him in, and he's seeing just as many carries as your star or running back is. You know, there's a, probably a reason, too, why Miles Sanders can't get going in the passing game because you only use him for 10 snaps or per carry per game. Like, it is maddening, and I know that they have problems, but my goodness, for all of the flack on, on Carson Wentz, I – the whole situation that they've got in Philadelphia is an absolute mess. And as a Miles Sanders owner in a fantasy leagues, in my mind, it is all on Doug Peterson. So, But, but, but we've gone and, we, and we've talked about this here on the podcast, and I know you've done it on your show uh, on Fox Sports Radio, both with Doug Gottlieb in the afternoons, 12 to 3, and on Sunday afternoons with George Reister. You're talking about a whole organization, right? Peterson gets his chunk, but look at what they have organizationally yeah i like the pictures of the guys holding hands after they have surgery okay there's no next man up that offensive line's a mess everything that you had from that super bowl year not that you expect continuity these years later but it's like you threw everything and sold your soul for one year and now your organization has gone to hell well it's it's the same you know we've talked about this it's the same guys that you're still counting on and i'm sorry it's three years later yeah you know, I, I mean, like of of the Alshon Jeffries and the Zach Ertzes and and listen, they're they're both injured. So so the fact that you were counting on them, I know Dallas Goddard's there, but but still, the, the point is, is you know, you you could help your quarterback who's struggling by trying to tell teams, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to take the football and we're going to run it down your throat. Maybe they'd focus on that. All right, enough of the Eagles. Enough fans. of that. Uh, two two ninjas that that played out as well. Cole Beasley, you had his huge game. Uh, in the the nightcap on Monday night. And then Logan Thomas. Why? Because we need a tight end because not everybody can own a share of Travis Kelsey. You know, another thing about the Eagles that pisses me off yeah, is, this, go! is this about Jalen Hurts, okay, the drafting of Jalen Hurts, because this is, what it's, this is what it is. You get your tax return, and what do you do? It's, it's, it's your money, by the way. It's not a bonus. It's yes! not an extra sort yes! of thing. It's Preach your on, money. Preach on, Dan Byer. So what do you do? You go out and you say, I'm going to blow it on a new TV. You've got three of them in your house. Why do you need another TV? Like, that's the last thing that you need. What about this? What about what about fixing that leaky faucet that you've had in the shower for, for eight months? What about taking care of something in the backyard that you've been needing to work on? No. So what the Eagles do, they go and draft Jalen Hurts, like not for the not as a possible successor to Carson Wentz. They do it so it's another toy that they can do with in their little fantasy playbook shop where they – I mean, it is it is mind-boggling. And, and, and none of this is Jalen Hurts' fault. So what's going to happen is Jalen Hurts is going to go and end up maybe starting in Week 14 against the Saints, and he's going to be ill-prepared because you only set him up for certain things. It's the only reason you drafted him anyway, so you could have your own Taysom Hill version like they do in New Orleans with Drew Brees and uh, Taysom Hill. You would have that in Philadelphia. You could maybe put him in certain packages and then bring cars. It's the only reason you did it. You want to talk about Jordan Love being a wasted pick? Jalen Hurts is going to play, and it's a wasted pick because the Eagles didn't take care of what they could have or needed to do within their organization. It's just it's mind boggling to me. Well, I, I like the fact that as I start hearing the tax preparation commercials airing <laughs> as we get to the end of the year, a reminder that the refund is money that you let the government have for a year. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't pay you anything on it. You wasted it. 
Meanwhile, you've incurred debt because Perfect. you probably paid too much into the government. Yeah, inv- and and you could have invested Correct. that. Just like the Eagles could have done uh, with their own roster. With another lineman, a little help on defense. Exactly. Instead, you got a guy. And then if you run him out against New Orleans, what the hell do you think he's going to do against New Orleans? Yeah. <laughs> that defensive front is going to eat him alive. That's it's Terrible. it's uh, it's a mess, and I and I think Doug Peterson has had enough. I I don't think that he even wants to be in Philadelphia. I would be shocked if uh, if he is back next season because I I think that he's burnt out and is is done with it all. All right, so Doug Peterson was an Andy Reid protege, and if I I got a bone to pick with Andy Reid, yeah, I'll tell I know, you his, his Clyde Edwards Hilaire handling on Sunday night I know made those who played against Ceh very very happy, but those that played him. Boy, what a – it's one of those things, Mike, too, when you hear the report, you hear what Andy Reid says on Friday, yeah, we believe that we're going to have him on Sunday. And then the, then he's active on Sunday, which is – the only thing I'll say is this. The reason Andy Reid said that they didn't play him, but they suited him up was for emergency reasons, but they didn't want to play him because he was so sick that he lost some weight. Well, then why in the world would you activate him? Correct. I, I, like, that doesn't make any sense. If Like in an emergency situation, you've got Patrick freaking Mahomes – you know, I, I mean, you can you can figure. You know, just hand it off to Daryl Williams if Le'Veon Bell gets hurt. You know, I, I mean, put Sammy Watkins back there and give him a couple of handoffs if something happens. Michael Hardman, you've got a bunch of different ways that you could handle things. So he totally messed up fantasy lineups. I, I thought there was going to be a bit more of a breakout because of what they didn't do in the running game against the Buccaneers. So I thought there could be something there. Should have just learned my lesson. No Thursday practice. No Friday practice. They're not going to do anything with them. Lesson learned, but I'm still mad at Andy Reid. WWE Montreal screw job right there. <laughs> Let me tell you. Sets you up. He's active. Helmet in hand. All the insiders. He's going to be active. Don't know how much we're going to get in him. You got nothing. And he sold you all a bill of goods. No oh, good. My. And Le'Veon Bell did nothing either. No. So you didn't even get any value out of that. There's not much left in that tank. No, I, I mean, like you saw, like he had the opportunity. Like yeah. this was his opportunity to, to show his thing, and it wasn't there. And, and the, you know, the other thing with with the Andy Reid thing, it's not like Denver game plan to stop Clyde Edwards-Helaire. No. Right. You're trying to figure out how do you slow down Patrick Mahomes. So the so Andy Reid's trick of playing Clyde or keeping him active and like it only screwed fantasy football players didn't do anything to the Broncos they didn't care they whoever's back there they just got to figure out a way to slow down Mahomes and keep him off the field so that was that was an interesting storyline from week 13 one that I know did not make certain fantasy uh, owners very happy I mentioned the Seahawks issues there there are issues Mike uh, Russell Wilson is not playing good football no, he's not. Chris Carson uh, gets the touchdown reception to kind of save his day but it's not like, like they're necessarily running the football in a, in, they had a three-game stretch or in the midst of a three-game stretch now with the Giants, Jets, and Washington. And two months ago, you'd be like, oh, three easy wins. Now you're looking at it and being like, if you play like that, you're going to be one and two. And and maybe it's a get-well week in week 14 against uh, against the uh, the Jets. But week 15, you'd have Washington, which we saw what they just did to Pittsburgh. And then week 16, you got the Rams, the team that they don't match up against. Uh, if I've got some Seahawks on my team. Uh, outside of outside of DK Metcalf, I'm I'm pretty worried. It is a a difficult proposition, right? Carson stays a second running back, but certainly not the upside. No, that you anticipated, right? They only ran the ball 15 times, a bit inexplicable uh, as you flow through. Why five yards a carry for Carson? 
Why would you not continue to try to find a way? It's not like you were getting blown out or anything in in this situation, uh, and you're always one big play away or a play-action play away. But as you said, Wilson hasn't been playing great football. Going up against the Jets, I'll tell you what, Greg Williams is out. But one thing they have always done is they've drafted an awful lot of defensive tackles and nose guards through the years that could give you fits. Although against that back seven, you should be able to sure. find some success. If nothing else, you know they'll fall for a double move and give you a big play. <laughs> and that's this is something we've actually, and if you've listened to the podcast, number one, thank you very much. But number two, this is also something that we've told you about. We've talked about how the Seahawks are going to change, but what I didn't I didn't expect, you weren't going to see the numbers in the first half, but what I didn't re- expect were some of the throws that Russell Wilson missed, just the way that the offense seems out of sync. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the the uh, the lack of, of opportunities for Chris Carson. All of that is a little bit troubling, but it could be a get-well week against the Jets and then see how things fall in order. Uh, what else from Week 13 stood out to you in terms of the matchups we saw, the players that maybe stood out? I know there was the Tua situation in, in Miami that kind of both uh, pulled a little fast. When I I was planning for Fitz the whole time, but Tua ends up getting the start and the win against the Bengals. But looking back on Week 13, what stands out? Well, I mean, that's a killer because you got nothing out of Devontae Parker who yeah. looked like he could have had a big day. That That's before he had to go walk to the showers or anything. But four catches, 35 yards, uh, a miserable effort there. You got a get-right game from Jared Goff. I can't say that I expected that. I mean, I didn't look at a 38-28. Conversely, Kyler Murray, there's a little hand-wringing going on with him right now. Not that we expected big things from DeAndre Hopkins, but you had the early score from Isabella, and then that was it. Right? You didn't have the big push yardage-wise that you've seen. And the running attack, and I wonder how much of that is the shoulder and just not trying to get him exposed, that you're not having design runs and even on scrambles. Seems like he's heading to the sideline a lot earlier than he, he was early in the season. Five, five, and five. Those are the number of carries that Kyler Murray's had in his last three games. And there, it was very deceiving when you heard Arizona was one of the uh, had the best rushing attack in the NFL for the first half of the season because it was Kyler Murray Not running him. wild. Yeah, it wasn't like their offensive line was plowing over people. What you have seen is because Kyler Murray has not been able to do his uh, usual antics and specifically at the goal line, which was a theme here. You've seen Kenyon Drake get more of the goal line carries, and the touchdowns have been actually saving him in in terms of production at times. Kenyon Drake's actually been a decent play over the last three games just for the simple mm-hmm. fact that Kyler Murray is no longer able to run to the end zone and, and using those opportunities. So a, a that I pointed it out on the Sunday show with George Reister. That team is a Hail Murray away from being on a bad, bad losing streak. And they also escaped their their game against Seattle. You could have had six straight losses if you're Arizona, if those two outcomes are uh, different. And uh, right now, things are not good, and Kyler Murray is just is not the Kyler Murray that you want, especially if you're coming down the stretch of the, the uh, fantasy playoffs. Well, we were talking about them like we talk about the Bears, right? Mm-hmm. Murray gets a little bit of, of run because of the expectations – Right, being the next second year guy, was he gonna break through briefly into the MVP consideration? 
based on what you were talking about, the rushing touchdowns and big exploits that way. But now he'd be in the Mitchell Trubisky run of, well, what is he? What are we doing? How are we going about? As That's the other game, obviously, my hometown team. And watching Matthew Stafford rise from the ashes with a big 96-yard drive and putting the the Lions in the the winner's circle. Yeah, five and seven, not exactly world-beating, but that's a game where you got 64 points, so there was, there was at least some fantasy value to it, as painful as it was to watch it unravel. The funny thing that I thought with that Bears-Lions game was you and I were so high in the preseason on Matthew Stafford, and I thought, finally. You know, like, finally, like this, was, this was like the game that I thought it took to, like, week 13 and unfortunately it was against your squad but it was like this was the Matthew Stafford even without DeAndre Swift and even without Kenny Galladay uh, the Matthew Stafford sort of game that you were waiting for uh, ended up appearing in Chicago on Sunday yeah sitting here on the year 21 touchdowns nine interceptions solid numbers over 3,200 yards so he's gonna barring an injury or something crazy he's gonna break 4,000 yards again get to about 30 touchdowns, 12 picks. It's a hell of a year. Nobody's going to care. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. And who knows if he'll be there next year. Correct. Okay, let's quick uh, hit on waiver wire because there's guys that you may want to look at. If you want, if you got some names, Mike, run them down, and then I'll just clean up the scraps of everything, anything that we may have missed. Sure. You've got a guy in Tim Patrick that when Drew Locke plays, you're seeing – four more targets per game, three touchdowns in those last five games. Obviously, you had that outlier where there were no complete passes when they ran out Kendall Hinton. Again, a little love to him, but good opportunity here against Carolina. Uh, Kiki Kuti, obviously, you know, he eight of nine. He'd only had two catches each of the prior two weeks, but let's call it what it is. It's him and Brandon Cooks against the world. Uh, We already talked about T.Y. Hilton, still available in a ton of leagues because people got mad and cut him. Uh, And I'll give you one more because I know you've got a few on your list. Uh, The hometown, Cole Komet, it's no longer Jimmy Graham in the target count. Uh, Matt Nagy was threatening to play Cole Komet for two months. He finally is, and the target count was up. And it was good. Five of seven, 37 yards and a score against the Lions. Baker Mayfield off of that big game uh, is still uh, available in a lot of leagues. Mm -hmm. And he is a guy that you may want to look at. But there is a caveat, Mike, but maybe not for the next two weeks. If you're playing in a fantasy playoff situation, maybe look ahead when they've got the Jets coming up in week 16. But he's got the Ravens and Giants. But Baker's out there. You may want to consider it. I, I'd, I'd be nervous about Jalen Hurts, but if you want to take a flyer, go ahead and do it. Uh, if he's going to get the start, at some point he's going to, I believe, start this season, whether yeah. it's week 14 against the Saints. Now would be the time to get uh, Jalen Hurts. You mentioned uh, Kiki QT. I think that he is, uh, with, with the injuries that they have had, Randall Cobb, of course, they let go of Kenny Stills. Even Brandon Cooks missed a little time in the game against the Colts, but ended up coming back. And Ty Johnson, uh, so, so QT for the Texans, could be worth a pickup ty johnson of the jets with uh, frank gore going out with that concussion i think he's going to carry the load And if you need a starting running back he's a starting running back and he's going to get some numbers so if if you're if you're in a tight spot that could be a place to go as well well it's kind of funny it was just obviously they were playing with a lead most of that game but as smith and i smith being the crazy jets fan it's like they ran the ball they kept running the ball, but like it was working. 
sure. they were grinding clock. Yes, it was counter to everything they've ever done, uh, and it almost got them a win. So maybe that's why Greg Williams got fired too. I, I did write down Mike Glennon on my list, but I don't want to be responsible for anybody starting Mike Glennon. I think that he could have a good game against the Titans, and he's actually fared really well in his his first two appearances. But I just am not ready to endorse someone playing Mike Glennon in their fantasy lineup, especially if there's a playoff yeah. berth or you're in the playoffs. No, I mean, that's just it. Like, you got potential chaos, right? The Bears are playing the Texans. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Trubisky can successfully avoid a little bit of J.J. Watt. They're they're not terribly good. <laughs> sure, yeah. they're not terrible. They're not good. They're just a middle of the pack D that you should be able to put some numbers up. Yeah, but are you trusting it? No, it's winning time. Yes, ab- absolutely. Maybe All right. two dollar daily uh, league or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Take a shot at Mike Glennon, and hopefully you'll be in the money. Three-point conversion to wrap this baby up, looking ahead to week 14. Of course, there's still a week 13 game Tuesday night, sure. Ravens and Cowboys. Your lineups are basically set. Uh, th- there's not a lot of fluctuation uh, to go. So we're actually going to move off of that game. Look ahead to Thursday. I'm not expecting much from Patriots and Rams. Uh, the Patriots defense seems to be stepping up, and the Rams, one of the better defenses in the National Football League. I think we could see a nice uh, 20 to 17 game. Uh, Cam Akers likely going to get some carries, but I would expect we see a lot of what the Patriots tried to do against the Chargers. Maybe the same thing they tried to do against the Rams. Smothering. This is a game for the defense, special teams, and kickers. Yeah. And then you're hoping for a rushing touchdown out of Cam Newton. I, 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 yeah, absolutely. I mentioned the uh, Patriots blanking the Chargers. Don't get down on the bolts, though, because Atlanta comes to town in week 14. So there's there's a reason to have some optimism. And finally, never trust Andy Reid again. So that's just that's just for a – I mean, he burned you with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire this past week. You're going to have to do something to uh, earn my trust again, Andy Reid. Dan Byer, I'm going to tell you, ever since he was the behemoth at the kick, pass, and punt competition, I haven't trusted Andy Reid. <laughs> I'm not sure he was 13 in that video. <laughs> All right, uh, Kyler's struggles continue. He's got the Giants. Say what you will about the Giants overall, but that defense, we've been talking about them all year. Joe Judge, crazy tactics, but you got a team that's believing. And, again, I, I'm wondering how much the shoulder – is, is an issue for Kyler Murray and subtracting from the run game because you take that away, his fantasy value takes a bit of a nosedive. Number two, Tennessee, get right. Yes, Ryan Tannehill was a top five fantasy option for you, but the rest of the guys, they let you down. Corey Davis did the work, but did you start Corey Davis? We told you to, but you probably didn't. Here, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And finally, Old man Rivers. Yeah, he's in Las Vegas. He knows how to play all the games. He'll show you how to play craps while he's there. Uh, (laughs) Or probably not. Uh, But against the Raiders, the Raiders' defense is terrible. They gave up 28 to the Jets. He'll take people around and say, I remember when we saw Dean Martin and the Rat Pack here. (laughs) Remember the old Sands? I'm older than Phillip Rivers, so it's not even that good of a joke. No, it's it's just like I'm way older than Adrian Peterson, but I'm making old jokes of him playing in the NFL. You know what? Who am I? Hey, you're a guy with a microphone. You're allowed to, okay? (laughs) If they take offense, they can beat it. They should have better (laughs) things to do. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. You can get Mike on Twitter at Swollen Dome. You can get our executive producer, Lee DeLapp, on Twitter at Lee DeLapp. And always, you can tweet us at I Want Your Flex. Send along any fantasy questions that you may have, lineup situations. 
We want to get you ready for the stretch run. And if you're out of the playoffs, don't worry. We can help you there as well. Even if you're looking ahead to the future, that's where you can find us. You will find us again bright and early on Friday morning when our next podcast drops. We'll talk to you then. Appreciate it. See you.